welcome to another episode of the Slam podcast. Now, this is a special episode with Dan Bradbury, DP World Tour winner. This took place a couple of weeks ago before Dan played at Walton Heath um, for US Open qualifying. So um, just to add a bit of context to that, that's the start of the conversation. And then we go from there. It's a really good interview, a really fun chat with Dan um, he's had a fantastic career so far at just 23 years old. He went to America to play college golf and that followed into winning on the DP World Tour on his, just his third appearance um, at the end of last year. So uh, we chat about that. We chat about loads of things, his grouping with Roy McElroy at, at the Hero Dubai Desert Classic and all sorts of things. So um, enjoy it. We just need to mention that this podcast is sponsored by Callaway. And last week, we had two winners. We had Pablo Larrafable and Emiliano Grillo, um, who both used the Paradigm Triple Diamond drivers and used the Chrome Soft X balls. So another successful week for Callaway. So without further um, delay, this is our chat with Dan Bradbury. Yeah, it was a good thing, was it? Yeah, loved it. I mean, I've, I've been there a few times, to be fair. Mm. So um, I, I know the course of the place quite well. But no, it was a frustrating day as I spent most of it in the heather. But oh, really? It was, it's uh, like that, is it? Yeah. It's like a heath, heath course, isn't it? Yeah, it's pure heathland. So every stand side of every single fairway, if you're not in a bunker, you're in you're in heather. I see, yeah. Was it, did you finish 300, didn't you? Yeah, shot level in the morning and three hundred in the afternoon, which I think I've I think I hit two fairways each round. So really? it, it, realistically, it wasn't yeah. too bad in the end. So after your shot level, um, so how far were you back then? Were you sort of five or six? Five yeah, six I was probably. I think a couple of guys shot seven under in the morning. Um, okay, there was a lot of guys between kind of two and five under. Oh, okay. so at that point, you know that. Right, well, it's got to be at least six or seven. Mm. Uh, mm. Turned out to be eight in the end, which would have been a big ask um, yeah. in the afternoon. But I mean, I was I birded the first two, so I thought, here we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then just nah, and then just started hitting it in Heather again. So um, no, it was it was a long day, but mm. we um, it's it was it was still possible. But yeah, eight under I needed, so not good yeah, enough. very competitive. Um... Had you been to Walton Heath before at all? Yeah, yeah. So I played the Walton Heath Trophy. Um, okay. Two years. Two or three. Either two or three years. So I'd played both courses at least four or five times, sort of thing. I see. Um, so I went out, walked the course, flew in from Belgium on Sunday night and walked the course on Monday. Mm-hmm. And when I was walking it, I was like, yeah, I remember this a little bit better than I thought I did. Well, I thought we'd sort of start from the start, really. So you're, you're, you're a Wakefield boy, aren't you? Yes, yeah. So, 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 is that where you are now? You're back at home now. Yeah, yeah. I still live at home with my parents. Um, nice. So yeah, just outside Wakefield, and I play at Wakefield Golf Club. Yeah. So, so is that, is, is that where you started playing when you were younger? Yeah, is 23 that- now. I've been a member there for since I was seven. Um, so yeah, dad's dad's been a member up there a while. He joined me uh, as soon as he could, basically. I see. He took me there. Nice. Um, when you started playing golf, what age did you start playing golf? Well, I, so my sister's three years older, so we used to go, um, when we'd pick her up from school, we'd always go play football or golf. 
okay. from being probably five or six years old. Um, I was more into my football until I was about 13 or 14. Um, mm-hmm. But I played, yeah, I played golf regularly on a night. Um, after school, it was kind of like in the winter, we'd go to driving range and in the summer we'd go play nine holes. Um, from, yeah, from being very young. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually played much golf in Yorkshire. Um, I played... Um, a few weeks ago, I managed to play at Woodley because it's sort of near our near our office. That's a good course, isn't it? And then, um, yeah, that's, I think that's the only course I sort of played in Yorkshire. What, what, what would you say are the best are the best tracks around there? I think there's there's kind of there's a few clear tiers to it. I mean, Ganton and Old Woodley are the the very top. Um, okay. I absolutely love Ganton, um, and then. You get kind of dropped down, and then there's like the Motowns, Lindricks, Helen, like very, very good golf courses, um, and then and then you've got like your good club courses, which is where Wakefield would sit, I would say. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of good golf courses, um, especially North Leeds. I mean, you've got All Woodley, Headingley, Motown, Sandmore, mm. like all right there, which are all very nice courses. Uh, it's quite a blessed area, to be fair, isn't it? Um, so when so when you sort of developed and improved, um, at what level did you play golf? Did you play golf for England at all? Did you play sort of regional golf in squads? No, well, I was in the Yorkshire system from being about kind of 12, 13 years old. Um, played for Yorkshire pretty much every, well, every year. And um, from then on, um, was always in the Yorkshire boys squads. Um, and then I did a year in the England regional squad, which was, again, just a Yorkshire squad. Um mm-hmm with a fancy title um <laughs> did that and then i was in the england so i went to america um mm. obviously and i got in the england squads um they created an overseas one um okay. so i was in that for a couple of years um towards the end of my college career and then and then yeah but i was never in england boys um and i was never in england men until they created this overseas squad um, i see okay um, so, w- w- at what point did you sort of decide you wanted to go to America? Because that's sort of quite a big, got a big leap, yeah. isn't it, to go over there? Well, I was always like academics-wise, I've always been relatively decent. Um, mm. So, school, it, it was like, it was kind of a thing of I got to eighteen, did my A levels. Well, I was doing my A levels at the time, and it was kind of like, right, do I want to go to America or do I want to stay here, play golf? play in the England squads and well try and get in the England squads which I wasn't in at the time um, and just play golf over here and I think it was really it was a no-brainer once we figured out the financial side of it um, Mm -hmm. from a scholarship point of view in America it it was a lot cheaper to go to America um, than to fund a full year of amateur golf Um, yeah so by the time I'd got my scholarship and everything it was it wasn't too bad Um, so yeah, it was kind of like no brainer really. Um, mm. Tennessee, where I, where I went, I knew the weather wasn't going to be great, but it was it was kind of really bad for three months, two three months. But then outside of that, it was way better than anything you're going to get over here. Yeah, golf courses showed that. Like you could still play good conditioned golf courses in November, and then again in March they would start getting decent again. Um, so from that point of view, it was like. Do I have six months of good golf here and six months of bad golf and enjoy mm. myself at home, or do I go and get nine months of decent golf? So, I see. Yeah. Um, so you went to Lincoln Memorial University, wasn't it? I did. Um, yeah. So I mean, do you, do you look back on those days with like sort of 
great fondness. I imagine it was like great fun to play college golf and well, the, the social side as well as the sports side, I imagine. Definitely. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was fantastic. I loved it. It really didn't feel like we were in uni. Um, yeah. We were trying to come back from tournaments and yeah, you had to go to class and you had to do your homework and all that. But it was, it was kind of like we were just there just playing golf. Um, luckily, where at LMU where I went, the coach was fantastic. He was just like one of the lads. Um, the assistant coaches were all great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like one big family. So, yeah. and we had quite a few British guys on the team at the time, um, a few Welsh, a few Scottish, and quite a few English. So it was quite, um, it's quite nice from that point of view, um, just hanging around with those guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we would just go and play golf and then <laughs> hang out on a night. And it was, yeah, it was great. <laughs> You look back at it and just how easy life was. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can relate to that. I went to New Liverpool for three years and, like, life doesn't get sort of any easier, does it? When, when no. You're <laughs> when you're in it, you're thinking, oh, well, I've got to get up at seven for workouts and I've got class straight mm-hmm. after and then I've got to practice in the afternoon and it's like, well, no, you you don't have, you get to the end of the day and you look back and I haven't really done much today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was- I was reading sort of through your college career and, like, there's a long list of accolades, but one that stood out to me was um. So you were the first um player from LMU to play in the US Amateur. Is that correct? Yes, I was. Yeah, yeah. In, in 2020. So, so what was that like? What was the experience playing in the US Amateur like? Well, it was the COVID year. Um, yeah. So I got in. I got in based off my world ranking, um, which previously they didn't qualify in. So it's usually top 50 mm-hmm. in the world and then qualifiers. But because they couldn't host the qualifiers, they just did straight top. I think it was like top 150, top 200 in the world, whatever it was. And I got in. Um, so it was a very different experience because we had to do all the COVID tests and you had to do, um, had to stay in all the like these hotels and you had pretty strict rules around the tournament. Yeah. But the tournament itself was fantastic. Um, was it? Bandon Dunes is, I mean, it's a great place. Um, I went with one of the assistant coaches from LMU, Brad, um, and just had a yeah, just had a great time. Didn't didn't play my best golf, but mm. it was during COVID, so we hadn't really we hadn't played competitive golf in kind of four or five months. Um, yeah. So they had a bit of a lockdown over there, but not really. And I ended up coming home during the, the first lockdown and spent what was it nine ten weeks, however long it was, felt like an eternity. But hitting balls into a net in my garden, <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't say I had great preparation for no. it. Um, <clears throat> And I, uh, it was a different experience to, I think, the one that you would get now um, or any other year. But no, it was still, it was still fantastic. And uh, and uh, yeah, one of the one of the memories that I won't forget. During your college career and sort of, I suppose, at the USM, did you play any, you, who was sort of the best player you played against? Were there any players that have now made it at all? Lads that, yeah, there's a couple of lads that stand out, but I would say the one, kind of the one main guy was Vinny, Vincent Norman. Um, oh, yeah. So he's on PJ Tour right now. Um, and I, me and him were kind of, I think we were number one and two in the nation. Um, and we would play every week pretty much together because um, mm. we were both the one men at our schools and our schools were a similar standard, like just kind of between five and 10 in the nation. Yeah. Um, so we would get paired together quite a lot. Um So yeah, I got to know Vinny really well. And he, yeah, he is a ball striker. I mean, he hits it miles and it's just never, 
never not the middle of the club face. And when he's on, he is he is scary. Um, yeah. But no, he's a, he's a great lad as well. And he ended up actually going to Florida State. Mm. Um, so when COVID hit, he was in his, he was already in his fourth year, I think. I was in his, no, he was in his third year and I was, in, we were both in our third years. And he decided to jump ship and he went to Florida State. Um, and I waited one more year at LMU. Mm. Um, so, and then followed him in his footsteps. But no, he was, he was the one that you would play with and you would think like, that's, yeah, noticeably better than everybody else. I see, yeah. He's, he, he has been popping up on the PGA Tour leaderboards, hasn't he? A couple of times. Yeah, I think he was doing really well. Um, doing really well in the AT&T. Was it the AT&T or the Byron Network? Yeah, the last week. Last yeah. week. Um, yeah, no, he is He is seriously good. And he's so, I mean, he's Swedish, so he doesn't get angry. He's so, like, level-headed. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Like, you watch him hit and it's, yeah, it's mad. But no, we uh, we had a good laugh together and got on pretty well. Yes. Um, and then you sort of, so last year you qualified for the individual NCAA championship, didn't you? And then um, in November, um, what, yeah, I'd like to fast forward to the Joburg Open. So this was only your third start on the DP World Tour, wasn't it? On a sponsor's, sponsor's invite, wasn't it? It was, yeah. So basically I finished at Florida State in the, the June, mm-hmm. um, came home, played the British Am. And then I turned pro and I played at Hillside, which was my first start. Then I got three challenge tour events and made the three cuts in those. Um, and then kind of didn't hear anything. Management company obviously working away in the background. Um, mm. And they got me an invite into Madrid, which I came 13th in. Um, yes, yeah. And then it was kind of like... A, were right so you obviously like playing all right so next time we get an opportunity we'll give you one and then I didn't hear for like two months mm. kind of like oh it's fine I'll get something maybe next year we'll we'll figure it out and then yeah I got the phone call for Joburg and it was like yeah there's a third start on main tour and sixth sixth start as a pro I suppose you could say so yeah well a three shot victory um I mean so, Should have been four, but yeah, yeah, I purposefully three foot of the last. <laughs> don't know why. I still don't know why I did that, but no, it's good. <laughs> so, um, so what I can't, I can't quite remember. So, so, what was the situation heading into the final round in Joburg? So I was leading after every round. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so I was yeah sleeping on the lead. Um, I was, I think, one ahead of Danny Van Tonder. And a couple, two or three ahead of Sammy. Um, mm. And it was kind of like, okay, like, yeah, it's a golf course that you can go low, but the winner is pretty much going to come out of this group. Um, yeah. Christian Bezeden, who he he made a good charge on the front nine. Um, I remember seeing his name just kind of shoot up the leaderboard. I think he mm. held a bunk shot on like the fifth for an eagle and got his name right up there, but. Luckily for me, unfortunately for him, it didn't. I mean, he finished third, but it, it didn't turn into a whole lot. Um, but yeah, kind of end of the front nine, it was pretty clear it was going to be a shootout between me and Sammy. Uh, and then, yeah, and then it was kind of like I, I'd stretched myself a little bit ahead. I think I had like a four shot lead going into either 14 or 15. Um, yeah, I birdied 13, which was big. And then 
from there, it was like Sammy tried to come back at me. He made, he hold a bomb on, hold a bomb on, he birdied 14 and then hold a bomb on 15. And I'm mm. like, well, he's got some <laughs> momentum now. Like he can't, he can't miss. Yeah. And then the birdie on 16 was pretty much where it sealed. I would, I think it sealed it for me. Um, making birdie there, tough par three. Yeah. Um, and then that was three. That was, so if, if he'd have he had a good chance, and if he'd have hold his and I missed mine, then it's one with three to play. Oh, with two to play, sorry. Mm. But luckily, the it happened the other way around, and I had a three shot lead with two to play, so that was nice. Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting because you're very much aware of what your opponents are doing. But I feel like a lot of golfers, say at majors, like they don't look at leaderboards, they don't, they just play the course. But I, I, I've never <laughs> believed that. I think no, I, I do think some people genuinely do, but I don't know how. Yeah. Um, because I would think of much worse scenarios in my head. So yeah. I'm better off just knowing. Um, I've always been like that. In college, I would always try and find out where where I was, where I was sat. Mm. Um, because it does affect how you play. Like for me, on, so on... It could affect 16, you laying up somewhere. It could affect you going well, exactly. for it, couldn't it? So, so like 16 and 17 in Joburg are a prime example. So 16... Sammy, I know Sammy's only two behind me and I've just seen him hit it to 20 feet, 15, 20 feet. Mm. And I'm like, okay, like I have to now. The, there was a section on the green, a section of the green on the left that was down in a little bowl. And if you've got a four shot lead and you're just trying to make a par, you hit it over to the right where the green's massive, you can't miss it and then just try and two put. Mm. Whereas because I knew Sammy was there, I had to go for the pin as well. And so I did, and it worked out. And then 17 was the opposite. So I I knew that I was then three shots ahead. So I'm just thinking, right, what is the best way for me to make par? Mm. If I need a birdie, I'm probably going to lay back a little bit so I can get more spin on my wedge. But because I needed a par, if I can get it up by the green, doesn't matter where I hit it, even if I'm in the trees, mm. but I'm near the green, I can still make a par. Yeah, yeah. I can hit it to 30 feet in two pot, that's fine. Yeah, um, and also, yeah, that's all from knowing where you stand with your opponents, isn't that, it? Yeah, you have to. I, I, I personally, yeah, I think I think you have to know. I think some people probably just can't deal with the pressure mm. Um, mm. or they put themselves under too much pressure. But mm. no, I, I, I need to know where I'm at. Yeah, certainly. Um, and your win in Joburg got, got you a place in the, in the Open, didn't it? It um, did, yeah. Have you have you spent much time at Hoy Lake before? Have you been have you played tournaments there before? No, never. I'd never been until about um, a month ago. Um, okay. And luckily, through a friend of a friend and well, a guy, I played a bit of county golf against um, Josh. He took. He's a member there, so he invited us over, um, and we played. And uh, I got to see it for the first time. And yeah, it was. It, it's really nice. It's quite. Um, it's quite flat. For a Lynx course, and like, yeah, I've played there once. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really quite, good. Uh, yeah, I think when there's when there's people lining the fairways and there's some structures up and that, I think it'll look fantastic. Mm. Um, <clears throat> in terms of condition and as a golf course, I mean, yeah, it was it was really really nice. Yeah, um, I mean, for, for me, when I when I was sort of younger, I'd, I'd always envisioned myself like holding putts to win the Open. Is is we would say the Open is your favourite major, the one you'd like to win the most. Yeah, I mean, mm. as a as a British person, I think you're always going to say that. Um, 
just because of the history of it. There's mm. no no other no two ways about it. I mean, the Masters is kind of the one that if you maybe if you get to play only one, you might pick the Masters. But yeah, if you get to maybe. win one, I think I'd, I'd win the Open. Yeah. Um, just for the history. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, I grew up sort of near, well, like twenty minutes from Royal St George's as well. So I think that's what I've added to it. Um, so it was in, in in your sort of yearly sort of list of targets now, would you have? And going forwards, is is qualifying for majors like at, at, at near the top, or is just winning at near the top? Well, this this year it's this year it was kind of it wasn't um, because Joe Joburg got me in the Open, obviously, and then the U.S. Open is the only other one that you can qualify for. Mm. So it was like, yeah, we'll have a go at qualifying, um, but obviously, as we said, that that didn't go to plan. Um, but it was kind of like, okay they're the only two that I can qualify for. The other two are to do with world ranking and tournament wins and that sort of thing. So pretty much if I just focus on this year is getting to DP World Tour Champs, mm. um, that sort of thing, and, and set like set targets that I can achieve this year and then figure out next year's later. I mean, yes, I would love to sit here and say I would love to play a couple more majors next year, but I've got a, I've got. There's a lot of things in the way first. Mm. Go back to January if you're a couple of months back. You had um, you're in contention again. The hero Dubai Desert Classic. Um, to take us back to that week, how how sort of I mean, you, you took your game up on another level there to compete with the likes of Rory and Patrick Reed and Neil Poulter was in contention as well, wasn't he? Yeah, no, it was um that was a good week. I mm. mean I, that's that's kind of one of the European tours flagship events, isn't it? Yeah. Um so yeah, to be to be able to compete there was, was really nice. Um didn't I played really well on the first day. Well it was it was rained out obviously, so we mm. we never actually played golf on the Thursday, which was a really weird feeling. You do all your preparation and then you spend a day in a hotel room. <laughs> um so yeah that was that was strange but yeah the first round for me I, I played really well and shot one over and I was fuming um because I, I just couldn't score I don't know what it was um and then I went out the next day and so I was eight nine uh, 63 um eight or nine under I can't remember mm -hmm. um but yeah, and it was like, okay, well, that makes up for the one over yesterday because <laughs> everything I couldn't make yesterday, I was making today. So, um, but yeah, and then and then the two rounds at the weekend with Rory, um, the last two rounds, that was that was a very new and very. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. Experience. What was it like to play with with Rory? Is is it difficult? I, I suppose that must have been sort of some of the biggest crowds you played in front of because obviously he must have just been. Having the crowds following around all the time. Yeah, pretty much everyone that was on property was watching our group. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was it wasn't the busy I played I did play the group behind John Rahm in Madrid um, mm. at the weekend. So that was also they they weren't watching me, but they were they were around us. Um, yeah. but no, that was there was probably more people there. But yeah, just the like you can just tell everybody's watching everything he does and I don't know. It must be must be quite frustrating at, at times having to deal with that. Um, mm. But no, he yeah, he's a great guy. Um, we had a few nice conversations and stuff, and he was really down to earth and uh, yeah, just a really really nice guy. Um, 
was giving me bits of advice here and there and um obviously played quite well on the Saturday. Yeah. Oh, a sun it was our Sunday but the third round. Mm. Um and shot four under got myself in the final group and that was that was a, a really good experience. Um and then just had a front nine to forget, I think, on Sunday. Um didn't feel nervous. Wasn't mm. didn't feel like anything changed. Just that golf course is really tough and I didn't hit fairways. Mm. And normally I'm a pretty straight driver of the ball, but when you're not in the fairway around there, it is it is brutal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just didn't hit fairways was like what, four or five over through nine, and it's like, okay, like let's at least make this respectable. So mm. <laughs> did that did that nicely with a couple of birdies the last two holes. Um but yeah, overall it was a great experience, but a frustrating outcome. Yeah, I see. I've got a lot better in me. Mm. In that in that last round, how how sort of aware were you of the like the McElroy breed dynamic that was going on? Yeah, well, obviously the um, there was the whole chat about the the tea gate, whatever it was <laughs> called, um, and then the tree situation, mm. <laughs> and it's just, I mean. It, it's you can tell like everyone knows about it and everyone's kind of it, it's a thing um but i mean like rory just dismissed it he was like look like it's it's nothing like they just love to do it at any at any point that they can they they love to get a bit of drama in, in there mm-hmm. um so but now everyone knew about it and like played with callum shinquin as well and he, he's like asking rory and he obviously knows Rory a bit better than I do, so he was asking him and whatever. But no, it was, it, was, it wasn't really, like it didn't, like you could see Rory really, really wanted to win, but I think he's just like that anyway. Um, yeah. And But no, it was, uh, I would no, I wouldn't say it really affected the whole situation, but it, no. it, was, it was a thing and it was, everyone kind of knew it was a thing. Mm. But yeah, fair play to Rory, he just, he was like, "Yeah, I'm not having a playoff. I'll just hold this twenty foot." <laughs> yeah, the, dug it out. Mountain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you got your first win, your first win in in November, and then you're in the last group with Rory in in in, in Dubai competing with him. So you must be quite excited for what for what your career holds. Oh yeah, I mean, if every week's like that, then yeah, <laughs> I've quickly I've quickly realised it's not. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just I'm looking forward to. I'm I'm been to a lot of the places we're going to this year. Um, like the last two weeks. I mean, I'd been to Italy when I was a kid, but not mm. golfing. Never been to Belgium in my life. I haven't been to Holland in fifteen years. I've uh, never been to Germany. So I'm just getting, I'm getting to see all these places and all these golf courses I've never seen before, and um, just excited. Yeah, it's. At the end of the day, I mean, I can't really complain. I'm playing yeah. golf, so it was. It's been the dream for the last, well, yeah. 10, 15 years. So yeah, just, just out here playing golf. Yeah, um, I suppose the DP World Tour is in a bit of a new sort of new realm now, isn't it? Because like the top ten players um, get a card on the PGA Tour at the end of this year and moving forwards. Is that is that something you you aspire to achieve in the future? I mean, definitely. Yeah, you've got to be. It, it, the European tour just can't keep up with what the PGA tour is doing with sponsors wise. So the mm-hmm. money is obviously different. And then when you offer much bigger money, you're going to attract the best players. So yeah, it, at the end of the day, if 
if if I can get on the PGA Tour in the next few years, that would be ideal. Um, but happy with where I'm at right now, and just we'll just keep going and keep playing yeah. golf. And if I play like I I know I can. I'll be I'll be fine, and I'll play at the highest level that I can. Pretty much. Yeah. Um. Recently, we spoke to uh, Jordan Smith. Um. Because I think it's in a similar boat to you in that you'd like to be you'd like to be in 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 that top ten and get as high as uh, up the DP World Tour rankings as possible. Um, and I, I, I asked him about um, how he sees the DP World Tour because as, as much as the prize money has increased and there's more destinations uh, for, for the players this season, uh, it has come under a lot of flack for sort of being inferior and being a bit of a feeder for a feeder tour. Would you say these sort of comments are harsh or realistic? Well, I'd say they're pretty harsh. I mean, anyone trying to do Keith. I mean, not everyone agrees with what Keith Pelly does and and what the tour's doing right now. Um, but with the whole the whole dynamic of of world golf right now, it's almost impossible um, to know what's coming around the corner. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the strategic alliance has been good for us in a lot of ways, and maybe not in others, but. We're still playing on a great tour with good fields. Um, yeah, there's a few weaker tournaments, and everyone can have their own opinion. Somebody will say it's it's rubbish, and some won't. But I know from from my point of view, having just got here, I I don't know the whole ins and outs of everything, and I I don't get involved in the politics of it. Mm. But we're pretty wise. But I'm getting well, yeah. But I'm as a player, I'm getting. To, getting to go to new countries and play good golf courses. And and like you said, we are still playing for a lot of money. I think people have kind of just been blinded by this whole live thing and by the whole mm. um, PGA Tour elevated events and thinking that everybody should be playing for 20 million every week. Well, no, that's not realistic. Mm. So just play for your two or three million, whatever it is. And, and if you win, you get half a million euros. Like, you can't complain at that, can Not you? Bad, is it? <laughs> exactly. Like, come on. I was playing, I was playing mini tour stuff last year, and and coming fifth and getting eight hundred quid. It's like <laughs> there's levels to like. Come on, like we're we're at the top here. Like this is European tour golf. And <laughs> yeah, we're exactly. playing for a lot of money. Just go out and enjoy it and play golf. So I thought I'd ask as well. Like th- th- this year on DP World Tour. Have you have you played with any um, players that have played on the Live Tour yet? I played with Brandon Grace before Christmas. Okay. Um, and would you chat to him about it at all, or was it just a yeah, closed no, off? Yeah, it was quite an open conversation. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it was quite. He was quite open and honest about it. I mean, obviously, not going to go into the details, but he, no, of course, yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was fine. He's a nice enough guy. He's still the same guy he was probably when he left. I didn't know him <laughs> yeah, before. Of but it, they're still. They're still the same people, um, so yeah. I mean, look, I, I get, I get why people have done it, and I get why people don't, and and each to their own. Um, but yeah, they, I think the players are still talking from what I see. Mm. Um, there might be a few that have fallen out here and there, but I'm sure, like Poulter on the range in Dubai, um, he was still saying hello and chatting to people and. And whatever, um, yeah. I don't think I don't think it's like Brandon was still. He was still really nice. Mm-hmm. And, and this whole debate is sort of branched into the right of cup as well, isn't it? Um, 
would you see the, the Ryder Cup as a, as a realistic goal this year? or I think this year it's kind of out of the picture now. Okay. Um, I just had a few, I had a few bad events there in like Highland and um, South Africa and whatever. Um, I think maybe if I, I mean, I don't know when the selection is. I haven't really, to be honest, I haven't really thought about it. Okay. I know when I won in Joburg, I was decently up the rankings, but obviously they were skewed because it had just started. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, I mean, if like if I go out and win a few events, then yeah, it's back on. But as of right now, it's not, it's not a, it's not a necessity. Like I'm not sitting here thinking I have to. I have to go and win three events to play the Ryder Cup. Like mm. no, that's. I'm just going to go play golf. And if I'm in a situation where it is realistic, then we'll look at it. But right now, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say it is. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you ever spent any time with Luke Donald before? Well, no. But I mean, he came up to me in Dubai um, and congratulated me on my win. Oh well, Abu Dhabi. Sorry, actually, first event of the year. Yeah, we we're in the locker room and he came up and congratulated me and introduced himself, which was lovely. Um, nice. yeah, and he, he seems like a fantastic guy and I'm sure he'll be a great captain and yeah it's something that in the future I would absolutely love um, I mean the two events of the year that I watched every shot whether Ryder Cup in the Open um, other than that I can kind of take it or leave it on TV but no it was yeah no Luke 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 would be a great captain I think mm. did, did you have any sort of initial memories of the Ryder Cup did you I think my I came to golf quite late. I started when I was about 12. So my sort of first memories of watching it would, would have been Celtic Manor. Right, yeah. No, I mean, I, I can kind of, I can remember Glen Eagles with JD's um, yeah, Iron yeah. Um, I think that's one of the first ones. And then obviously Medina's like the one that everyone yeah. remembers in it, um, with Poulter and, and everything. So, but no, I mean, it's just such a, such a great event and there's there's just a lot more connection between the fans and the mm. players that um because it's a strange sport isn't it where you've got so many thousand people and everybody's supporting somebody different whereas the Ryder Cup it's more like football it's it's like mm. you've you've got half and half like well in Europe I suppose it's it's 75 25 whatever but there's a lot of people there who really really want you to make that put mm. and I think that aspect of it and you can just feel that energy I would assume I've never actually been to one um okay I might, I might try head over to Rome this year but um I'm not sure how that will work but no it would be going forward something that I'm I would look forward to yeah speaking of football you're a, you're a Leeds fan aren't you yeah, we don't talk about football. No, no. <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm not, I'm not too keen on talking about it either. <laughs> nah, I, yeah. I try to go when I'm at home. Um, I do. My dad's, yeah, my dad's, my dad's uh, a lifelong fan. He used to go home and away, so it was forced upon me as a kid. But now nah, yeah. I, I don't mind it. I love, well, probably closest teams probably Barnsley, but um, how oh, is it? Okay, Leeds, Leeds is right there, so. Do you, do you go when you can then, do you? What an atmosphere. When it's when the place is when it's going good, I mean off. You can kind of feel the tension in the atmosphere though. So I went to the, the Crystal Palace game when we oh, were yeah. we were one nil up after forty minutes, best team oh, on the by cool, miles. Yeah. And then they scored and then something apparently something happened in the dressing room. And I, I we didn't know about this obviously at the time, but I mm. think it, 
it kind of makes sense now looking back. But yeah, that was the atmosphere in the second half was was not good. But yeah, when there's thirty six thousand people in there all screaming and chanting, and yeah, it's put it this way, I wouldn't like to be on the opposition team. It could happen, yeah, it could happen, can't it?